Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center present Fire in Little Africa, a multimedia hip-hop project inspired by the resilience of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now, coming at you live from Greenwood, here are your hosts, Ali Shaw and Doc Free. Doc, did you get a plate last Saturday from Bezel? I did not get a Bezel plate. Um, I need to see about the treats though i hear so much amazing things but that food looks so good oh man and if y'all are wondering what we're talking about we are talking about the larue's kitchen right here in tulsa cooking up plates go ahead and get you something dropped off or pick you up a little something good every saturday what is it one to four eleven to four i i think it just depends on how he feels like sometimes he does brunch hours but it's typically one to four on a saturday I have so many people ask us questions about it. So I was like, you know what? Let's make sure we talk about it because where can I find it? Where is this place? And I'm like, it almost feels mysterious. <laughs> like, well, well it's you in your heart. Send a message. <laughs> it's, it's in your heart. Let's be honest. Uh, and once you get the food yes. in your mouth, it's in your soul. So just, just like Paisley Park, LaRue's Kitchen is in your heart. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead and get you a plate on saturdays you know what i'm saying last week you did uh what was it uh stuffed pepper with turkey and shrimp and crab with oh, macaroni man. and cheese uh, you know what i'm saying they do the life's lemonade they got the life's mimosas and the fat dax you know what i'm saying he also had that stuffed chicken garlic and cheese you know what i'm saying they do don't forget about cake. the gumbo doc oh man the gumbo was slapping at the market on mlk day have you had the lemon drip cake yet i have not had the lemon drip cake uh, all right so here's the thing Lemon candy, lemon cake. That's an all. I, really? I just normally don't. Uh, but man, something about yellow cake. Yeah. You know what I'm okay. saying? You catch me in the right mood with a good glass of milk. Give me a chunk of that moist. <laughs> Where are the lime cakes? Anyway. The key lime pie is what I want. I want a key lime pie. No, nah, key lime pie. Just pies. a little one. Just, just something yeah. about key lime pie just it feels so Jim Crow to me. I don't know. Um, Jim Crow. <laughs> like it, just, it just reminds me like wild diner days. I just, oh my gosh. Uh, Coop, Weird. have you had any have you had a plate from Bezel yet? You know what? I'm about to. You guys are making my mouth water. Man, he comes with the goody good goods. I'm sitting here and I'm perusing some oh, okay. So the lemon drip cake. Uh yes. It looks amazing. Because I'm perusing. The, it was the instagram yeah check that shit out though y'all the roost kitchen l-e-r-o-u-x-s-k-i-t-c-h-e-n the roost yeah. kitchen on instagram and that other that other angelic voice that you just heard is our guest today i'm doc free that's ali shaw you're tuned in we're going to get into our guests and uh let's see we, we've got so many epic things to say man um I'm ready to talk about these Quick Trip shoes. <laughs> I know. Did you see Quick Trip responded? Yes, I did. did. That's why I tagged them. I was like, let me add Quick Trip right now. What up, QT? What up, QT? Where's the collab? I'm saying. QT I think that would be collab. so dope. Hey, man, yeah, some forces with that custom QT. Looking yeah. just like the sticker that them weirdos be having on their license no, plate. No, I, I don't want customs. I want like straight from the manufacturer, straight from Nike, some QT Nike SB Dunks. See? Yo. Ooh. And that's the mind of our guest today, entrepreneur, 
visionary really like doing something yeah. that like this I keep getting to be privy and first firsthand to see all these things great things happening in the town uh this shoe store is amazing y'all okay let me tell you about actually we're going, to, we're going to talk about it later but anyways what else would you like to add to that Ali Shaw before we get done well, da Miss Vanita Cooper is not only an entrepreneur in Tulsa's historic Greenwood district her shop silhouette sneakers and art has quickly become a pillar of the culture and sits at the intersection of Archer and Greenwood in the heart of the original Black Wall Street. And when I say there have been so many businesses that it's like the revitalization that you've seen over time, but like this has been the one that's like, man, you just got to stop. Every time I'm down there, I'm like, I got, I just got to pop in for a second. Like, hey, Coop, even if it's just a wave real quick, like, hey, Coop, you know, I'll see you next time. I still got my eye on them, whatever. I'm, I actually want some Pippins. I need some Pippins. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Vanita Cooper, aka Coop. All these voices keep on knocking, peeking around corners. I'm yelling, stop it, but they so constant, like I ain't shit. Nobody listening or watching. Wake up, bitch, you're not the hottest. Bless your nigga, hollering at these other chicks. Somebody rocking, knocking their boots. Unless you just had a baby and your shit got to be so loose Body not gon' be the same, man That's the truth 24, that's so new You're about to miss your chest to blow Plus, barely got 30 people at your shows Fuck those insecurities Fuck all those insecurities No, y'all Thank you guys. No, that was wow. Thank you for that introduction. That was that was beautiful. Yeah. How are you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm excited for the town and and you know what's about to go down this year. Uh it's you know what makes all this fun, you know, starting a new business, what makes it fun is the community that you become a part of and um the community of entrepreneurs and artists like yourselves, frankly, um, there's so many of us, I feel like in Tulsa right now. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's an incredible time to be who we are in the place that we are. Where, and you're not from Tulsa. Where are you from originally? Yeah, kind of from Lawton. That's what I, that's what I tell people. My dad was in the army, but, uh, I was born in, in South Korea, actually. Uh, my mother's Korean and, uh, I lived in different countries and ended up, my dad retired in Lawton and I went to, I was in Lawton from sixth grade to high school graduation and uh, decided, you know, when I was graduating high school, I was like, I'm not spending another minute in Oklahoma. I'm getting out of here. 
me and my closest friends, we were like, screw this state, we're done. So I didn't even go to college in Oklahoma. I left the state for like a decade and really had no plans to come back, except uh, there were a couple of things that got me back. One was uh, my parents, you know, they stayed here um, when they retired. And I'm an only child, so I, you know, I'm really close to them. And then the Thunder, actually. Um, I'm a huge basketball fan. It's so silly, I feel like. Uh, but, um, you know, the Thunder being here, like all the change that they brought with them, not not only economically, but culturally, you know, I, you know, I felt like there was this brand in Oklahoma that uh, that I could really relate to and really connect with. And um, it made me really proud to be an Okie. Um, and then, you know, as an adult, you look back at your hometown and you look back at your home state differently than you did as a kid. You know, after you leave for 10 years, you go on your journey, you come back and it, you look at it, I think with a more mature eye. Um, and so, yeah, that's what brought me back. And, and I love it here. I mean, Tulsa, someone asked me the other day, what's my favorite place that I've ever lived. And it's actually Tulsa. Like, and part of that is, you know, the city and the incredible people here. But another part of it is just where I am in my life right now, where I feel like, you know, I want to plant roots. I want to, I want to, you know, build something somewhere and stay there for the long term. Yeah, I love that you said proud to be an Okie. I'm literally wearing my I Speak Okie shirt hey, today. Wow, look at you. <laughs> I got this from a... Yes, Steve. Shout out to Steve Cluck, man. I love when he did that campaign. The well, it was don't hate the nine one eight thing yeah. that he did. But um, I got this shirt. Well, no, I got a. I think it was a sticker or something from my uncle Tony. And it's like it's hard to explain to people what exactly does that mean. You're an Okie. What does that mean? You know. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said that. So, what year did you move back? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Man. I'm interested in the zigzags. Where you been? Where, where yeah. You yeah. Oh yeah. man, uh, we only have an hour. Do we? Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, you could. So uh, I went to college at Mizzou in Columbia, Missouri. Um, I've always loved sports uh, and I wanted to play? be there. I mean, I played competitive golf um, through high school. And, uh, um, but I've, you know, always dabbled in like basketball, tennis. Like I just, I just love sports. I love competition really is what it is. And um mm. Uh, so I went to Mizzou because they have a great journalism school and I wanted to be on ESPN. Um, it's also another reason I love sports is because my dad and I, we, we bond over sports, you know, like we don't have a ton of deep conversations over a lot of stuff, but we do about sports, you know, like we're very passionate about it. And so that's my connection to him. But uh, so I went to Mizzou four years, graduated didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. Um, went to South Korea, taught English there for a year. Uh, while I was there, uh, decided to apply to law school and uh, went to law school in Chicago. Uh, loved it my first year. Um, and I think, you know, what I love most about it, when I reflect back on the parts of my journey that, that I really loved the most, it was community. You know, I've I loved college because I was in this dorm with these, you know, other like-minded individuals. And then I loved law school because I was also in a similar situation. And then uh, over the summer, you know, you, you clerk or you intern 
at a firm or with the judge or whatever. And I did both those things in Dallas the summer after my first year in law school. And I just, and it, this was an incredible firm, incredible judge. And I did not like the work. I was like, man, this work is so dull and so boring. So I went back uh, to law school for my second year. Um, and I just couldn't get motivated. I was like, man, what am I, what am I busting my ass for this, you know, this thing that I don't even really want to do. Um, and so I decided to take a leave of absence. I had started volunteering with the parochial school in South side of Chicago, um, coaching girls basketball and, uh, tutoring and mentoring these girls. And I loved it. I was like, man, this is, I could see myself doing this. So I took a leave of absence from law school, actually never went back and joined Teach for America and became an educator. It started a 10 year uh, journey for me as a, as a public educator. So TFA placed me in the Mississippi Delta, Tunica, Mississippi. Do you guys know Tunica? I've heard of it. Yeah. You've heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of Tunica. I can't remember how. I don't know who I know from there. So there's casinos over there. There's like 11 or 12 casinos, like just stacked essentially on top of each other. It's a town of 10,000 and they've got these casinos right on the outskirts of this town Um, because it's kind of like a tri-state area right there. Like if you're in Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, Tennessee, like you can get there. I mean, it's like, it's a really well-known gambling area. Like Michael Jordan has been there, you know, like all these big names that we know who are gamblers have been there. But anyway, so I was there um, and it was nuts. It was crazy. The, you know, beautiful community in so many ways, but so segregated. So Mm. like, I'd never seen such a thing. Like the public school that I taught in was almost entirely, I mean, it had to be like 99.9% black. If you were white in Tunica, you either went to a private school if you could afford it, or you were homeschooled. Like literally families would rather homeschool their child than put them in the public school system with a black kid. Wow. Um, and I mean, it was just wild. Like the division was just it's, it was, it was insane. So that was an experience for me, for sure. Um, Key lime pie. Learned, what's up? Key lime pie. Yes. Key lime pie. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to like it now. I'm, I'm going to end up not liking key lime pie now. That's not true. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. Uh, um, yeah. So it ended up being too small for me. I mean, after two years, after I completed my Teach for America commitment, I went, 30 minutes north to Memphis. Mm. Oh, I love um, so I could stay close to the community that I had, you know, built in Tunica, but then also be in a bigger city and love Memphis. Love it. Yeah. Really cool city. Also very racially segregated. Um, I taught in North, uh, North Memphis, which uh, at the time had one of the highest infant mortality rates in the country. So, you know, it was bad there. Mm-hmm. Um, but did that uh, after a few years of, you know, teaching 
got recruited to, to work in public edu- or, uh, education policy at the Tennessee Department of Education. Stop me if this is getting boring, because this is a lot. Yeah. I'm not at board at all. Like, I'm, yeah. I've actually been wanting to know all these this things. This is so the origin you. story. Listening and they're like, I thought she was 25. No, no, I'm sorry. It's going to be, it's a longer journey than that. Um, you do look it though, Coop. You do. <laughs> you know. Thank you. Um, this is what happens when you have no life and you just stay indoors all the time. Like, um, no. So you've been 20, 20 your whole life. <laughs> Exactly. 2020 was easy for me. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, uh, so I went to Nash- Nashville is where the Tennessee Department of Education is. Nashville, super popping city, really cool, um, way livelier and more integrated than, you know, the last couple of cities that I had been in. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, it was really fascinating to be in public education in a different capacity, you know? And I think the thing that it taught me was um, how limited my perspective really is in whatever I do, you know, and to like have more respect for the perspectives of others. Because, you know, when you work in public and education policy at that level, you're interacting with all types of stakeholders across the public education system. Versus when you're a teacher, you're really only engaging with a, a handful of them, a few of them. Yeah. And so suddenly I like seeing these different perspectives. And that's something that I think I've carried with me, you know, throughout my whole life is, or throughout, you know, the last several years is uh, just trying to understand the perspective of others and trying not to judge, um, recognizing like my own limitations, you know? Yeah. Um, like I get excited to see different people come through silhouette. Um, and I've had political conversations, like people, people come into silhouette and they do not hold back. Like, you know, especially in 2020, Sneak you know, shot off the blue barbershop down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, they don't want to just talk J's. They want to talk, you know, presidential politics and all that stuff. And well, and I know, feel like look, you've created a safe place. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's just that feeling when you walk in the door, like, Oh, I'm, I'm at home or whatever. It's I yeah. Like it. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean that as somebody who identifies as, you know, a lot of different marginalized identities, right. Um, you know, woman, black, biracial, yeah. queer, like at, I feel like I have a lot of empathy for sure for trying to make sure that people feel safe and 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 valued um i like to say that everybody who comes into our shop is actually way cooler than me which i think is like completely true you should see you should see me trying to take a selfie or getting like you know photos taken versus the people who come in my shop like influence like every i'm telling you i don't know why i'm like the most awkward photo taker but like i'm definitely the nerdiest person in my shop at all times. And I love that. Like I want, like a lot of sneaker shops you go into them and it's like, oh, you know, you feel like, am I cool enough to be in here? And I want you to feel like for sure you're like, is this, is this place cool enough for me? You know? You have definitely accomplished that. Like that, like I said, that's always the feeling I have every time I come. And it's one of those places that 
like my friend Utopia who lives in Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, we're going to Silhouette. Like that's the first place we're going when you come visit. Like those are the, that's the place that I want to bring my friends to that aren't from here, you know? Like we got to go by, even if we just, let's go look at the vintage, you know, the corner of vintage clothing, you know, in the corner that, shout out to Gary Mason too. I want to yeah, make man. Gary. in the spot. Man. The Tuesdays. Down. That dude. He does a lot. There's not enough we can say about Mr. Mason. There really isn't enough. Gary holds <laughs> down. Gary definitely increases the cool factor in that shop. Man. Um, I just hide behind him. Gary. I just hide behind him. <laughs> so how does it um, feel to be right in the middle of Greenwood? Like, what is that feeling? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, I, you know, I feel blessed and grateful for so many reasons. Um, obviously the rich history and, um, culture and, uh, you know, I think my situation just period, regardless of whether I was on Greenwood, like this, my situation with my landlord, landlord is awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've learned how important it is to really share a vision with all the different stakeholders. You don't really think about your landlord as a stakeholder, but your landlord definitely is. Um, and the fact that, you know, Kajir and Maggie are Hilly Foundation, uh, Green March, the fact that they shared my vision from day one, they essentially, I mean, they paid for most of my build out um, in the space. Uh, according to my plans and, you know, have been supportive from day one, their kids are sneakerheads, And so they understand the culture. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's been incredible to be down there. And obviously, like I said, being able to continue on the, like with the legacy of, of the history that came before us is a great honor and, you know, a tremendous responsibility that I take very seriously. Absolutely. So a couple of days ago, Footwear News announced your concept based on Tulsa's Black Wall Street. How did that come about? Yeah, a lot of buzz going around about that. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the IG stories. I was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, shout out Small Girls PR. Um, they're a PR uh, group uh, that has helped to facilitate some of these media opportunities for me and several other businesses in the area. And, you know, I'm so grateful for them. They're awesome. So we have the story in the works with footwear news for a minute. And, um, you know, they, we finally felt like this was the right time. And, uh, you know, we got to, uh, use that platform to announce a whole bunch of stuff that we're, we're, we're working on. Uh, the coolest thing about Tulsa is, you know, I say it all, all the time. I think you guys say it too, like the people here, you know, people like you guys, um, so open to collaboration, so incredibly talented. And I just think we're nearing the peak of, I don't want to say peak. We are at one of our heights in terms of creativity and ingenuity and, um, artistic expression. And, you know, we're, we're at a place as a city where we have not been fully defined. And because we haven't been fully defined, there's like a hunger and like um, 
don't know how to describe it. There's like a, it almost feels like a blank slate, you know, like as an individual, as an artist, as a creator, as a business, as an entrepreneur, you could create anything, you know, and, and you are not confined by, you know, what your city is or isn't because our city is and isn't everything, everything, you know, like we're, we're still figuring ourselves out. And so um, it's been really cool to work with brands like Lord Primo, shout out Jonathan Stanton, uh, who was doing just some sick, sick stuff with handcrafted um, high fashion uh, stuff. He is brilliant um, and going to be one of the people along with the artists in Fire in the Africa, along with you guys, along with so many others who are going to blow up um, this year and in the years moving forward. We're doing a project with him trying to uh, share black, black cowboy culture, black Western culture, uh, trying to, to keep it modern and street, um, but to introduce it to like a new generation. I don't know if you guys know this, the black rodeo is still a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah I definitely course. do. I think was a color rodeo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey. And so, you know, John, when, you know, we were talking, cause I've respected him from day one. He was like the first brand that I wanted to put in my store basically um, with Greenwood Ave. And, uh, we were like, we have the same, we have the same vision for, for fashion. Uh, we don't want to be like anybody else. You know, we're not trying to produce the stuff that's coming out of LA or produce the stuff that's coming out of New York. We want to produce something that's Tulsa and something that's Midwest, you know? And so we're really looking at what already exists in our culture, trying to amplify that and trying to see, you know, if we can surface that stuff, like what can other people, and like, what can we do with it um, to create something really different, really unique and really Tulsa, you know? You know Coop, I grew up a country girl. I used to show pigs. I showed a sheep once. I, that didn't last for long. Lambert didn't like me. <laughs> you said Lambert, you showed a sheep? No, I showed a sheep. I used to show oh, pigs and stock shows. And then I had a sheep once, one year, his name was Lambert. And he jumped upon me and I was like, no, nah, we're good. I can't can't do the sheep, but I'm making a point. I I'm sitting here thinking like, I would love to wear Rockies and Ropers again. Can somebody recreate that? <laughs> yeah. And the big wow. belt buckle, like with the hearts on it. Yeah. My, my daddy made a belt. My daddy was a welder and he made a belt buckle out of coins. And it was so wow. dope. Like it was like a 50 cent, you know, a half dollar and a bunch of quarters, yeah. which is like, mm, should you have done that dad? But anyway, yeah. And so I, I really, there are times when I miss that, that country girl in me, the Oki girl, I miss that. <laughs> you know, I miss like wearing, I love, I need a pair of cowboy boots. So it's just, you talking about that. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I want to see some of this Western wear. Can we make like a hip hop kind of, you know, something that would be well, dope. Like, you know, the lesson that we're learning this year and in the lead up to this year with the centennial and everything is uh, that there's, hopefully a lesson that we're learning is that there's so much in our history to be proud of, right? And it's not just black history, but certainly like that's been a focus with the, the centennial of the massacre in Greenwood and all that history, you know, being, being surfaced. Um, but, you know, our history isn't just that our history is, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 
our history, you know, and, and I think Western culture has been a big part of Black culture in Oklahoma for a long time. Look, the projects that we're working on, uh, you know, the overarching vision is I want people to feel proud um, of being a Tulsan and being, you know, an Oki, um, being from this part of the country. And I want to show the world what we're capable of. Not that we, I don't feel like personally we need that. You know, we don't need, you know, somebody from LA or New York to bless us or anything like that. But, you know, I do think there's some cool stuff that is coming out of here that, um, that I think that is going to be a lot of fun. You kind of got me thinking about, and Doc actually had me thinking about this before you signed on. Um, we were talking, and one thing that I find myself saying frequently about people who don't live here, and it's like, we're not just riding horses here, and Doc will be the first one to be like, actually, there are still people who are riding horses to yeah. go do a grape soda. And I'm like, I know, I'm just saying, and I'm like, I need to change my language about that because it sounds like I'm saying that in a negative tone. I don't mean it. And it, but my point is like, that's just the assumption that that's all there is here. When there are some of us who are like, man, I'm rocking door knockers and Timberlands sometimes. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm hip hop, I love hip hop I'm culture, also, whatever. But at the same time, like incorporating that were, as well. If, if they were riding horses in Portland, we'd be like, oh, they're so eco-friendly. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> try to ride horses in Oklahoma and suddenly you're backwards. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Uh, we're still scratching on and drawing pictures on walls. Well, we're still drawing pictures on walls, but we like are. now churning like now, butter. We're churning butter. But with different <laughs> tools. Milking the cow and all the things. But like I, I've never put a lot of stock in into those things. It's like I hear so many different opinions and perspectives from people that have somehow, some way found their way from the cosmos to Tulsa, Oklahoma and either spent a lot of time and moved on or ain't left yet kind of thing. And that's super dope. That's other thing, the dope, other dope thing about Teach for America. So like, that's you now, that's Kojo now. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a few guests on. Yeah, yeah, more than a few guests on that have, you know, got got their their way here through Teach for America and fell in love with the place. And, you know, it's a, uh, interesting to think about the ripple that has like you're communicating with the friends that you've made from like all walks of life from all different parts and they're like well what are you up to now where you at what are you doing you're like i'm in Tulsa and you're not gonna leave it this place yeah. is dope you know what i'm saying yeah. that's a lovely yeah. thing I love so you, you were talking about the thunder earlier mm -hmm. did you were you into the Tulsa shock at all like were you here i don't think you were here yet when they I were still here, here. right I wasn't here for that. And, you know, sadly, I wasn't, you know, I didn't grow up a big WNBA fan. Um, you know, there were years where I was really into uh, women's college sports. Um, but I've always been like a much bigger NBA fan. It's just because, you know, like I said, it's how I connected with my dad and my dad was bigger into NBA. He was actually really big in the NFL and I was a big NFL fan, but now I'm, you know, it's hard for me to like it knowing what I know about all the physical punishment and stuff that they endure. Who's your favorite NBA team? The Thunder. What? Okay, I just I'm just checking because pre-pre-Thunder. 
who okay who pre-thunder yeah pre-thunder now that's a reasonable question pre-thunder i was a huge orlando magic fan penny and okay. shaq wow universe again i just had this conversation today oh man penny and shaq penny, shaq nick anderson dennis yes. Scott. Like, come on oh man i remember there was this pre-game and they were uh, talking to Shaq and they just caught him like goofing around during the shoot around and he starts pop locking and the dude drops down, goes into a full windmill, this big, <laughs> big seven, whatever frame, just like legs spinning. I'm like, wow, Shaq was a B-boy. And then he came out with the Fushnickers album. I was like, oh yeah, Shaq was for real B-boy. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. down. When he got yeah. with the Fushnickers, that was so cool. Coop, do you remember when they had his shoe in the store and you could like put your whole arm in his where his foot fits like I didn't know I didn't experience that but that makes sense his foot looks big yeah I I remember I think it was Foot Locker or something and I and me and mm. my daughter's dad we were walking through and he's like oh my gosh look at Shaq's shoe and we picked it up and he goes put your arm in there and my hand went it went all the way to the elbow and I'm like this is nah this can't be real oh. like it's crazy say, social media what? generation missed out on Shaq you know what I'm saying? Like, I am yeah. so sad that Shaq wasn't a part of this generation because, I mean, he would just be killing it left and right. He'd, he'd Breaking the you. glass. Breaking the glass. Like, Shaq be cracking I, me up. You know, I'm not just talking about Shazam. <laughs> not talking about Shazam. <laughs> or Kazam, excuse me. Was it Kazam? Kazam. I thought it was Shazam. Was it Shazam? Yeah, I think it's Shazam. I don't think I get sued I think by DC. No, I think it's Kazam. I think it's Kazam. I was like, if it's Shazam, they definitely were getting sued. I forgot about that. You just brought all you how, these memories back. Let me tell you how big of a fan I I am of the Thunder. Back when KD, and I won't say his name again on this show, but <laughs> back when KD was on the squad, I was watching Thunderstruck, yo, and I was liking wow. it. I bought that movie. No. I bought that movie. <laughs> I know. That's Wait how deep I that's was. That's dedication. That is, that is like that's damn near fanaticism. Into that team. <laughs> but you know what's funny too is when he first came here and it was like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. I was like, no, he's in Oklahoma now. He's Kevin Durant. Because if you're an Oki, you say it Durant. <laughs> you need a, a do rag to cover up that uncle hairline oh, you got. Oh. Oh. Hey, what oh, is what uh <laughs> What did they say about crazy? It's like, look like a bunch of spiders just having a meeting on his head. Uh-uh, Doc. <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs> high death, death has not been kind. High yeah, death well. has not been kind. <laughs> look like you do it edge ups with a big lighter. Just I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Ooh, I have to say, Coop, one of my favorite moments was being able to talk mess to Harden after he left. <laughs> hey, wow. Like that was my like I really loved Harden because you know he wore the number 13 too. I was like, oh man, I just I love the way he played. And when he left and then he kind of became the flopper, I was like, man, quit crying. And I we were it was one of the games where you know they play the preseason game in Tulsa. Mm. And I was not far from the bench either. And he was in and in doing the thing. And I was like, shut up, Harden. And I didn't even know I said it. Like, I, it was just a 
<laughs> you know how you are when you're at home and you're watching the game and you're just into the game. And I'm thinking like, I'm watching the TV and I was like, oh, and the whole crowd. Did he hear you? Yeah, mm, I think he did. I just remember the crowd oh. was looking at me like, dang. Wow. And, I, and then dude next to me is like, you Mama mean to tell me? voice. Hey, I did. And I, he's like, you mean to tell me if he, he came up to you after the game right now and said, hey, let's go grab a drink. It's on me, blah, blah, blah. I said, I wouldn't go. He goes, what? And I was like, nah, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> So yeah, I, I was like, no, get out Did of you here. mean it? Huh? No, you totally would have got drink. No, I would not. James Harden can keep you it. You would have. No, I would not, Coop. Now, if you not. were to say, James Harden said, hey, let's go to the club. No. Like, hey, having a drink, what do you mean? Have a Pepsi? We're going to sit on the park bench, have a hot no. dog and a Pepsi? Like, no. Nah. James Harden actually goes to the strip club. You're not going. <laughs> no, I'm still mad at him. No. You know? I, right. I almost burned my And you know that club would be a that's the only club he does strip clubs oh yeah oh my god (laughs) well i just wanted to i really wanted to ask you about the shock because i was like i couldn't i didn't know if you would have been here or not but i i thoroughly enjoyed watching the shock when they were still here and then they flew up out here and went to dallas and became the wings so i was sad about that but yeah (sighs) okay so i want to talk to you about um silhouette some more and these performances that we're starting pre-pandemic and that dope <laughs> ass stage that you had put in yeah. can, you, can you tell us who designed that stage like so cool yeah so dj vector um instagram uh he actually does a lot of work locally like uh music and uh he he hooked he hooked me up, went through some designs, uh, literally built it from scratch. Um, I, I forget the name of the the there's like a dude who works with wood who like actually built it according to our designs, but I think it's like nine one eight wood something I can't remember. Um, I'll let you guys know after the show, but uh, yeah, I mean they they killed it. It was it was great from design to execution, and uh, you know it was really cool to have world culture music break, uh, you know, open the stage for us. Um, and ironically, when we reopen that stage, it'll be again, world culture music as a part of world culture. Um, that'll be the first time since the pandemic started that we'll have another performance live in silhouette. Mm. Oh, that's so dope. I love it. Christened and brought it back. Um, but yeah, we, uh, it was, Again, it's, it, it just speaks to Tulsa, you know, the fact that we could get such talented artists to perform in our space. Um, you know, we've had Dominic perform and he is, I mean, y'all have seen him perform. Man is, the man is on another level. Yeah. Um, he is incredible. Uh, Ayla was the first person. She actually, so Dom and Ayla, we only got one performance in on that stage before the pandemic struck and that was world culture music. But before that we had Dom, Ayla, um, you know, other acts come in there and perform. And I mean, you know, looking back, it's just crazy seeing how now these acts are getting bigger. And I knew this was going to happen because the talent is so good. Yeah. You know, seeing how these, I mean, this is, you know, going to launching point for so many talented artists, you know, this year with fire in the Africa and, you know, it just feels like such a privilege that we could be a part of their history 
as the stages that they performed on, you know? Um, it's just fun, man. This is all just fun. Yeah. I'm like, I want to see Doc Free spin in there. I want to see DJs that, wow. you know, like, well, when, that was pre-pandemic? Doc has performed. He has spun yeah. in there, yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. yeah, you did for the pop-up. Yep. The pop-up okay. was super dope. Um, talk about, like, having some really, really dope talent because it was like, it was like back-to-back weekends because like my cousin Ricky came down here for one with uh, the Malik Rose uh, clothing line and they did uh, another pop-up but yeah I spun one and that was like super fun I love Zeal was probably my favorite I love that that style mm-hmm. they have like this like faded pastel I don't know it's like um almost like a faded tie-dye kind of thing going on I love their color palette I love it but yeah, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. It was like me, um, Caleb Ulster. Got to throw some jams out there. Yeah, yeah I miss that. I miss everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wh- are, who are some of your favorite Fire and Little Africa artists? Because I know now you've become familiar. Like you mentioned St. Dominic. But do you have any that yeah. you're listening to? I mean, well, I mean, so Chris told me that I should... Uh, you know, come with my three favorite songs from Fire and the Africa artists. And uh, so uh, the first song by a Tulsa artist that I fell in love with, like, love, love, love. And it's so funny because I, I don't know what you call it. I'm not big into music lingo, but it's like a really short song. Um, was uh, Dom's song, Lenny Cook, which yeah. I don't think he ever, like, officially released. Yeah. but it's on soundcloud yeah it's on the cloud yep. dude i love that song Me too. it is so good i just i just pulled it up actually and listened to it before this podcast um but that's when i realized I, that was one of the first songs i listened to when i came to tulsa um and i was just like oh my god who is this guy and i just <laughs> You know, stuff like that that just makes you fall in love with the city, like knowing that you've got people like that, talent like that, doing something that really resonates with you culturally. Six in the morning, I'm taking shots. Like I was Kobe, this ain't a fluke. It's going in every time I shoot. I'm going in when I'm in the booth. I gotta win, I got shit to lose. Battling these in the city blues. Don't wanna talk, fuck your interview. Lately been feeling so cynical. I gotta watch how I'm living. The money, the cloud, and the women. I can't let the cloud on my vision. Don't pull up, I don't wanna kick it. I gotta stay focused, my nigga. The people I own, my nigga. The world I'ma show my nigga. I keep it solid, and that's a fact. Dope on my side, you can take a look. I got that shit, got these niggas shook. I can't go out like I'm Lady Cook. I keep it solid and that's a fact. Dope with my set, you can take a look. I got that shit, got these niggas shook. I can't go out like I'm Lady Cook. I keep it solid and that's a fact. Dope with my set, you can take a look. I got that shit, got these niggas shook. I can't go out like I'm Lady Cook. I keep it solid and that's a fact. So that one for sure. Ayilla, when I first heard her stuff, I was like, oh my goodness, this is this absolutely. And when I get when I get excited about music, guys, it is. You know, Speaking it makes of, people uncomfortable. Just got mine today. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. Okay, so for our listeners who cannot see 
Doc is holding up the vinyl of Ayla's album. Oh my gosh, I tape. need that. It's the witch tape. The witch tape. That's of my course, Doc photo. is going to get that. Yeah, I'm going to be spending it probably Tuesday at Cellar. I'm going to do like a local set. And uh, yeah, cool. Oh, I miss Cellar. Okay. Um, okay, so who's your third coop? Her song, her song, Miss Mary, I've crossed into like a thousand times. Yeah. Um, if you come into Silhouette on the right day, it'll just be on loop, you know, <laughs> the whole the whole day. Uh, and then uh, Steph, love Steph's stuff. I just love Steph's commitment to the city, the, his storytelling. Um, his song "Promised Land." Mm. Yeah, that's got me. I've been doing this couch to five k, trying to get ready for this run coming up this summer, and that song has gotten me through the the last couple minutes of the of my runs. Uh, it's just it's so motivating. It's so beautiful. You know, it's it's a it's powerful. His stuff is powerful. Um, and again, it just makes you really proud to be a part of a part of the town. Yeah, most definitely does. A beacon for the nine one eight. Beacon. A beacon. And so cool. These people are so down to earth. You know, that's what is crazy about it. Is like, you know, Steph and I tease each other. He's like, he's like an annoying brother. You know, <laughs> um, emphasis on annoying mm. and. You know, Tom and I are working on projects. You know, anything I can do to get his very limited Vuelo merch into so what I'm going to do. Um, but we're working on something that's crazy that's going to be dropping this month. Um, and you know how Dom is. Like, Dom's like, no, I'll just do like 20 pieces. And it's like, Dom, no, you got like thousands of fans and you're just going to drop like 20 pieces of this thing. That's how um, I felt about yeah. the trading cards I mean, that got thrown out at Sound Pony when I, I was like, I need one of these cards. I can't ever find them. One, one of Dom's cards? More. Yeah, the trading cards. The, I think there was yeah, one at I the store, one. right? You had one, right, at Silhouette? I mean, I think it's still in the drawer, but, you know, who knows? People, I'm too, I'm too comfortable with people. People just come through to the back behind my counter and talk to me. I'm like, yo, yo, hey. <laughs> Right, a little too safe and right. <laughs> uh, now I got cards for sure. Look, you know I love sneakers, so you know I'm a pair of all things. And you know, Vuelo, Dom, like all his stuff, I'm trying to keep. Yeah, mm. I have a, a Fiji water bottle with his signature on it. I like to brag about because <laughs> you what? know he has to have his he has to have his fiji water when we first started talking about the project he did a performance at woody guthrie and i was like will you autograph my fiji water bottle that i just took off the stage that you left a few drops in <laughs> i was just kidding but he really did <laughs> he really signed it for me i was like oh that's dope thank you yeah did he did it seem like it was weird to him or was he just like okay all right i'll do it i don't know maybe a little bit but uh, i think John, he was, you, wait, this, was that your dom impersonation <laughs> <laughs> that was good cool. <laughs> cool was that your dom impersonation that's that's as good as i can get man dom is one of was, the kind I think he's low-key flattered though i think he was low-key flattered <laughs> dom is yeah, my yeah. he's one of my babies I, I love St. Dominic. He's just, 
like you said, it, when, when he performs, it's like something goes off and then boom, he's jumping mm-hmm. all over the place. And it's like, where did that energy even come from? Like mm-hmm. he puts so much of himself into his performance. That's what I really love about him yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Oh man. I, I love hearing you talk about our Tulsa artists and just the community that you have yes. really helped to build. I don't, sometimes I just want to be able to say like, Coop, I really don't think you realize what you've done. You know what I mean? Like you have created this space where people are excited to go to and see like every single time I come in the shop, I'm like, something is different again. Like it's nothing is the same. Um, and I love that. Um, I mean, like I was really salty when I heard that my J's sold. I was like, ah, oh. they were my size. And so now I'm like, okay, I know what I got to do. I need to be specific about, hey, Coop, can you find me a pair of, and this is my size. That way I don't have to worry about someone else buying them. Yeah, I got you. I got you. No, but you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, you know, I, I feel like as a, as a, as a species, like humans, we, we really like to, uh, we like to simplify things, you know, so we're always looking for something to represent something else. And so, you know, some, there's always got to be a face of an organization, even though there's so much more that goes into that organization's success. So, you know, while I have been kind of like, you know, the person who's the face of silhouette and I totally understand why as the owner and founder, but you know, it, I'm just really one, one part of it, you know, literally you guys, the fact that you do this podcast doc, the fact that you spin and like, you know, the, you know, Ali, the, the fact that you are on the radio and you, you do what you do, like you guys are doing stuff that is so important to the culture and is inspiring so many people in our generation and, and younger generations that you don't, you don't even know, you know, and Silhouette just happens to be a physical space where people can come and kind of see what that culture looks like coming together. But I mean, you guys are, you guys are really the ones, you know, doing the, the creative stuff. Um, oh, no, it's where the culture the collides though. That's where the culture collides. It's like, yeah, no, no, but I'm just me. so grateful for you guys. It makes me sad that, you know, in these news articles and stuff, I they I don't have space to lift the entire, you know, everybody who's who's made silhouette possible and who is uh, so a part of this um, important culture that we we are building here in, in Tulsa. I'm really grateful to you guys for sure. You're so humble. I love that about you. I mean. Um, you better stop. Stop praising me. I I'm just it. saying, Coop, you, you've done, done so much. That like, is, I mean, it's we are giving you all why. of your flowers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> track two, Dr. No, Dr. Freeman, DJ No Name. You know what I'm saying? But we had to give a shout out to Silhouette. The CEO gets respect. You know yes. what I'm saying? You better take these oh, flowers, yeah, Coop. <laughs> Can I shout out one other person? Who's a part, I think he's a part of the project. Is Sneak on the project? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Dude, his, just... his song "Spirit Bomb" is so good. Oh man, yeah. yeah. That daydreamer. I'm waiting. I need. I need to peep that. That's got some heat on it. So, and I think of like man. Keith, Keith the Sneak before he was Sneak the Poet. 
like before he left and went to was it a, was it in Portland? Portland, yeah. Yeah. And was it Seattle? And he became a poet out there. Well, it, no, he just he's he left. He's man. from here, but he left for a little while. Then he came back, and it was like he had morphed into something else. Like mm. more than more than just changing his name. Like he, there was, oh my gosh, you do, you see someone grow. Like he he went away, but it's like mm. he he wow. morphed into something else and brought it back home. I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed you so I'm much. Like, yeah, uh, he left looking like a little like Lorenz Tate from Love Jones came back looking like J Cole. Real story. Yo, so I took a picture of him and put it on our Instagram on Silhouette. And I guess it was the angle or whatever, but I literally had so many people DM me being like, yo, is that J. Cole? Is J. Cole in your store? J. Cole? And of course I had to tell Sneak and he loved it. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a doppelganger. That's hilarious. He's a cutie. And just a sweet person and just overall just a damn good human being. Even even his parents, like you see them reflected in him. You know, I I love that family. That's what that's what Tulsa's motto should be. Tulsa. Damn good people. (laughs) Mighty fine. Mighty fine. Put put a copyright (laughs) on that. You really, you're that's so true because that, and it's like what uh, what King Cut says about gems, you know, everybody's a gem, mm-hmm. gem city, like, gem city, like so true. Everybody has their own thing, and yeah, what they, <laughs> what they bring. So, speaking of, <laughs> but we'll get into that question. I'm sorry, I want to lead into it, but now, could we definitely want to talk to you about, um, you know, every one of our guests on the pod, we ask what they know about the Tulsa race massacre and the main, the specific question is how old were you when you first learned about the Tulsa race massacre? Oh man, you're going to make me age myself. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, so, you know, for all your listeners, I'm, I'm 36 and I didn't learn about the Tulsa race massacre. Even though I grew up in Lawton, um, I didn't learn about it until I got to Tulsa. So I guess I was 33 when I first learned about it. And how did that happen? Like, was it when you opened the business? Like, is that how you learned about it? Um, when I came to the city, I was looking for culture. Um, and, uh, had heard about Greenwood as being, you know, you just Google, you know, what's stuff to do or whatever. And I don't know, found out about Greenwood, the history. And I think that's kind of happening. Like at the same time, you know, uh, the city was also actually, I mean, it just like everybody is, has started to like share the story um, and, and learn about the story. And so it's all just kind of happened. It's just really, it's just really, uh, I guess, serendipitous that I came when I came um, at, at now what has become like the height of, of learning this history. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I think about like my, my story is a little bit similar as far as like, I lived, I'm an Oklahoman. I'm from here, but I live two hours away. I'm from Lexington, Oklahoma. So Lawton is what, an hour and some change. There's a Lexington, Oklahoma. Yeah. You know where that's at? 
I'm about to say Kentucky. No. Mm. Lexington, Oklahoma. It's right. You heard of Purcell, Oklahoma? Yes, I've heard of Purcell. Okay, we're right next door. We're across the bridge to Purcell. What's the population of Lexington? Uh, blink and you'll miss it. Hey, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have one stoplight. Wow. Yeah, it's a very small town. Um, I went to school there K through 12. So it's very small. Yeah. Population Bob being new. I do have an uncle Bobby, so <laughs> actually it's actually plus. Yeah. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm always Sorry, been curious okay. to hear about other Oklahomans who were not necessarily raised in Tulsa, but like to me, it was shocking that I'd never even heard about it until I moved here. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I was shocking. Know, like, what was your feeling behind it? You know, like when you learned about it, then it was like, what? You know, for me, it was like, why have I never heard of this before? Like what, you know, why now? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because I don't know about you. I took Oklahoma history. It was like a graduation requirement. And, mm. you know, this wasn't a part of Oklahoma history. And- you know, it's funny. I was telling uh, this, I was telling somebody earlier today that um, history is always really boring to me. Um, and I think part of it is that the kind of history that I was taught was boring or like, I didn't like it, you know, like black history, the way it was taught was very like sad, you know, like slavery, you know, just it's like all this like negative stuff um, and not a lot of stories of success and not a lot of stories that make you feel really proud to be not white. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, now that I'm learning this history, like I'm obviously like so immersed and so interested in it. Um, you know, you know, we talked about earlier, the collection I'm working on with um, Lord Primo learning about, you know, black Western culture out here. Then also with Philbrook, we're doing, you know, T-Town Clowns, uh, Negro League baseball team um, and learning about that history here. But these are, you know, parts of history that have been hidden for so long. Like no one cared enough to tell the story or had the ability, were, were empowered enough to tell the story. And so, also, the history is very fascinating to me. Yeah. And not, I don't know, I think about we're in the middle of Black, well, not in the middle, but starting Black History Month. And it's like, why does it have to, why can't it just be year round? That was one of my biggest frustrations is, <laughs> is not being able to know about, you know, different figures and then having to, like, for me, it was, I had to enroll in an African-American history course to learn these things. So and I, you, when you said that about Oklahoma history, um, I remember being in the eighth grade and learning some really sad things about my town, you know, like, oh, is that what happened here after dark? So that's where I'm from, you know? Um, so yeah, was, anyway, I won't go into that. Um, so Coop, we've really kind of heard you talk about community and a, and a lot of things, but um, as far as, you know, building with other artists and, and different entrepreneurs as well within Tulsa. 
Um, but one of the, our final question that we would have for you, um, and I think you've already kind of defined it, but I'm curious to see how you'll answer. What does everything is us mean to you? Um, you know, to me, it means that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say it without saying the exact same words. It feels like it's so easy to explain, but we still try to search for the exact words. And I think that's a testament to that feeling that it creates in the you yeah. said right there, community, yeah. that community feeling. Yeah. Like it's, it's something so powerful. It's just, it's hard to, because you don't want to do it any disservice, you know? <laughs> it's just it's like trying to find those right words. It just. I, I wish that, that more people felt that way, that more people felt that everything was us, right? That we all felt bonded to each other um, in that way, or that we felt like everything that's been created is a product of what we all do collectively. Um, because then I think that there'd be more empathy for others and we'd feel a greater sense of responsibility for others, the, the welfare of others. Um, you know, that's one of the things that is hardest for me about Oklahoma and frankly, just about the U.S., you know, but um, I think Oklahoma certainly struggles is just our lack of, of, of investment in others um, and, and just our disregard for people who maybe don't have, who are, who have lesser means or um, find themselves in difficult circumstances, you know, the way that we throw people away based on, you know, where they stand economically or socially. Um, yeah, I think about uh, Julius um, down in Oklahoma City and, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm against capital punishment. Um, I just feel like it's ever up to anybody to make the decision to take somebody else's life regardless of the mistakes that they make. Um, and maybe I would feel differently depending, you know, you know, where I stood in relation to whatever happened. Um, you know, if I was a victim of something significant or something like that, but I would like to think that I would still believe that we can, you know, rehabilitate all people. Um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a, Objectively speaking, we are an under-resourced um, society, right? Uh, or at the very least, the resources are not equally distributed. Um, so you got some people who are crazy wealthy and you have some people who have nothing, less than nothing. They're in debt, you know, um, they owe. And it just makes me sad that we don't, there's much money in this country and we can't find a way to get it to more people more equitably that we can't make sure that here in Oklahoma, all of our kids have a, an incredible teacher that they have, you know, technology that they have books that they have every resources they need, you know, that it breaks my heart that we don't have mental health services um, supporting all people who need it, that we don't have, you know, healthcare for everybody that, you know, we're one of the highest, we have one of the highest eviction rates in the entire country. 
people shouldn't feel threatened like that in, in, a, in, a, in a country that is so wealthy. There's so much money here. And it just saddens me that given the fact that the playing field is so unequal, that if you find yourself on the, with the short end of the stick in that, um, and you make a mistake, it's like, yo, that's the death penalty for you. You know what I mean? You didn't have a lot, you made a mistake, and now you're gonna pay for it. You're gonna pay for the fact that you weren't born into wealth and privilege. Mm. So I don't know, man. Uh, I don't even know what your original question was. I guess I just wanted to go on that rant that I just I'm feel like there's did. more. Oh, everything is us. Like, you know, if we really believe that, if we really believe that like Julius Jones was our brother, you know what I'm saying? If we believe that these people were our blood, you know, then I just feel like we would have a whole different level of, of compassion and empathy for them and like really want to help them and really love them. So much of so much of what we do is is done in fear, motivated by fear versus love. And to me, everything is us is a message of love. Can I? OK, hold on. Can you see it? Everything. I put a heart in the middle of it. It says everything is us, Coop. Oh, heart with a flame, and you're. I'm sorry. Don't look at my bruise. <laughs> my bad. I have a bruise right there. Don't look at that. But yeah, <laughs> like you said, it needs to be the a heart in the middle of. That's exactly how it feels. And real quick, we did not yeah. touch on this earlier. I know you're probably not going to like this, but thank you for everything you did for those who needed help paying their rent. Yes, we did not. I did not mention that earlier. And I, I wanted to make sure we said thank you for that. Uh, I know you had partnered with, is it 918 Cares? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Um, that could, it that was, that was just... crazy. So, so that was actually a really thing for me personally, my own development. So actually what motivated that a lot of people don't know this story. Um, the, the thing that directly motivated that was, uh, so this was, uh, a couple days after Christmas. Um, so I couldn't see my parents, my family, for, um, so my parents, uh, are older and they live in Lawton. There was just active quarantine, um, because I run a business. And so this was the first summer, you know, in six years that I had not spent with my family or the first, yeah, Christmas. Um, and uh, I was really sad. I had this delivery, you know, speakers were supposed to get delivered to me on Christmas Eve and um, said it was delivered, you know, it was like FedEx or whatever. And uh, it's kind of a convoluted story, but I went down on Christmas morning to get these sneakers. This is like a $350, $400 pair of sneakers and I couldn't find it. I was like, where are these, where's this package? Like, this is an expensive package. And uh, it was nowhere to be found. And it was Christmas day. I couldn't call anyone. I was flipping out. I was like, oh my God, like somebody, you know, somebody has taken this package. I've had a package taken before, not through FedEx, but some other, you know, carrier. And I was like, man, on Christmas, like, I can't believe that I just lost this $400 pair of shoes. And I was feeling really low. And I said to myself, you know, um, I could, 
I could, you know, I could feel self-pity and, you know, do something, uh, you know, I could just kind of like wallow in self-pity or I could turn the situation, which is out of my control at this point. I don't know where this box is. It's probably gone. There's nothing I do. I can try to turn the situation into a positive by doing something for someone else. And I, I decided the next we're open, like we're going to, I'm going to announce we're paying rent for somebody. So that happened. And then, you know, I actually ended up, the box had been misdelivered, the shoes. And so they like delivered it correctly a couple of days later. But I mean, it didn't even really matter to me. Like I felt so fulfilled by mm. that act that losing that $400 pair of shoes didn't even matter to me. Yeah. You know? That's how I'm starting to feel about being a grandma. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on in my world. I'm going to be a grandma. It doesn't matter. That's I, awesome. Yeah. They, they, they finally allowed the me to time? announce it. What was that? Are you going to be a grandma for the first time? Yes. Yes, honey. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank That's you. That's huge. Yeah, shout out. Sweet babies the other day. Yeah. A little, a little, uh, a little young trunks or a little Folex. Mm. <laughs> but I, I, Coop, I just wanted to say thank you um, on behalf of, you know, or if I may speak for those who, you know, there's so many people who are, you know, could have not had a place to stay. You saved them from being homeless, you know, evicted, whatever. Um, and so just thank you for what you did. And I, I love hearing the story behind that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Last thing on that, um, we had over donations. It wasn't just me. So I was just going to pay for my family's rent. And then we got over 200 requests. Yeah. And then all these other people in the community were like, what? Yo, we also want to do this thing. And that was really beautiful because, you know, small businesses coming out of the pandemic, like all these small businesses took a hit. And yet they all said, you know what? We're going to, we're going to chip in. And we also want to help a family. Like that to me was like the most beautiful thing. And then individuals. So we ended up being able to cover rent for over 25 families, um, raised over $20,000 in just a week, basically. Um, so it was, it was incredible. Over a hundred donations. It was. And we didn't even um, talk about the fact that Pastor Mike Todd came and wiped out your entire inventory. I know. You really teamed it all up. <laughs> but look, what I say, what I say, Tulsa, damn good people. <laughs> Put it on a shirt, Coop. Put the silhouette logo on it. Tulsa, damn good people. Boop, period. Tulsa, damn good people. <laughs> I think you need to do it for real. You need to put that on a shirt. And then put the silhouette well, logo right back, right back here on the back. I'll rock it. I'll rock it all all time. I know you would. I know you would. You're I support. love my silhouette shirt. I love that I, that I bought the same shirt that Mizo bought. By the way, we want to make sure we give Mizo a 20 on the town podcast. Shout out to him yeah. hosting there at the spot with Gary Mason in the corner yeah. taking photos. Like I love that, that, that he did that there. It's just, everything is, you created I a home. I love Mizo. I, I love Mizo guys. Like Mizo, I don't even, I, I, I want to know everything about Mizo. I love him. <laughs> he is so sweet, you know, and he is so humble Yep. and just wants to help others. 
Truth. I love Mizo to death. Every time I see him, he makes me just like so happy. I feel the same way. God, I, I love about, our community, y'all. I want a chance to interview him someday because I think about him being outside of Sound Pony with his little GoPro. Hey, Allie, Allie Shaw, can you tell 20, this is 20 on the town. And I was like, mm-hmm. who is he? And oh, his energy was so, he's, it's infectious. Like his energy is just yeah. so, yeah. you know, he's all like, love all the time. Yeah. All love. Please That's interview him. Please. I, want, I will listen to that. Three minds, east side swag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Doc. <laughs> I love it. Well, Coop, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us. Yes, thank um, you very much. It's been an honor and a pleasure talking to you this evening. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off? I just want to say an honor to be on this. Thank you for letting me come on here and, and ramble on. Um man just i love tulsa i love you guys you guys are i'm so excited for that we're do this year and um yeah that's that's all i got come to silhouette you know whether you're buying something or just talking would love to have you come into our space can you put the website out there for our listeners yeah so uh community we a lot through instagram so um at silhouette tulsa is our instagram we definitely have a beautiful website made by trey thaxton uh www.silhouettetulsa.com um but yeah check us out uh it's a great community i mean these two guys are a part of it so you know it's got to be great <laughs> we love you coop thank you so much All right, y'all, on behalf of the Fire in Little Africa podcast, I'm Allie Shaw. And I'm Doc Free. We want to remind you to be the spark. Protect your flame. Pass the torch. Hey, y'all, that was another great episode. I mean, back to back to back to back to backs for 40 whatever episodes. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to keep it going, too. Once again, big shout out to Coop. Go ahead and copy some sneaks over his silhouette on Historic Green, what have the song that we want to end with today is another banger. It's another anthem for Nat Man, your man, my man, Steph Simon. This is Promised Land. It all started with one. It all started with one. It all started with one. I'm putting on like a sweater when the breeze out The weather of them fees out Summertime my knees out Can't believe I ever sag I've been feeling free now Kinda like that first time when I sat inside that treehouse My niggas starting businesses Ain't even got degrees now My niggas with degrees Man, they out here selling weed now Pendulum swinging like Alan Green now Got that kind of style That can turn a dope fiend now Have them saving money just to do some better things now All the children in the Projects feel like they in sweets now Man, they said we from the bottom But I do not see how When the people with the money Wanna look like me now Looking like my kids Got their ass like my queen now Something money cannot buy That type of shit you bleed out Come up to the promised land And come and see what we bout Crabs in the bucket But my bucket pushing me out It all started with one It all started with one it all started with one. It all started. Four in the morning.
and making records from scratch Cooking and chefing the batch The tripping cost me a rat But I ain't tripping when I drop I know I'm gonna triple that But if you wanna sign me sorry You just gonna have to match Feel like I'm running these laps Took a year off just to race my past Made a lane, left some crumbs You can trace the path This probably won't make the top charts Settle for landmarks I made it to the status Where I'm receiving some fan art Put myself on the radar In my car I would pray hard From the city of faith Pull up on me, we don't stay far Diamonds beneath the ashes This is the lifestyle What a young, talented black And never had shit Now we up like an addict Now we be making magic Now we off in the basement We cooking up for the addicts Mama used to tell me Turn down that racket I wish I never learned to be your man Because she passing I had to understand it I just gotta let life happen But while I'm here I'm about to keep my foot up on the gas And roll punch a quarterbacking Reporting live from the city Where they made it happen So welcome to the gap, bitch it all started with one. It all started with one. Yeah. It all started with one. One on Black Wall Street. It all started with one.